0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Trainers Lab podcast. This is the place where we like to dissect the elements of kind of what makes up accelerated remote coaching careers. So what allows some people to move through their timeline in their careers faster than others. Um, Sometimes it's magic, sometimes it's luck, sometimes it's actual (laughs) skills that are intentionally, uh, you know, pushed that way. So we like to kind of just analyze some of that. And uh, my name is Ms. Bahog. Today, I am here with Blake Scheidt. Blake, how are you doing today
1: man i'm doing good it's uh perfect weather here in florida right now it's been like 80 degrees this whole week so i'm just soaking it in because it's going to be stupid hot here in like a week or two um
0: yeah it's cloudy over here i'm hoping it's uh i'm trying to get it back to sunny over here so that i can get out and and play some more tennis man i've been on a real kick and when it's raining it yeah yeah it's amazing and i love like it's the same thing as like watching um like, you know when people watch YouTube videos of something and you're like, oh, that doesn't help. It doesn't do anything, right? Like, you need – an, yeah. it helps, okay? When you implement one thing and you take one thing from a video and you're like, let me just tweak it. Like, noticeably, the people I'm playing with are saying stuff to, like, dude, your serve totally different. And it's like, this is stuff I watched a video on and I'm, like, kind of, like, messing around with it. So right. – um, it, it, it's been fun, but, uh, yeah, man, today, um, one of the things that I really want to dive into, cause it's kind of relevant even to me, like I actually sprained my ankle last week playing a match and, um, it was totally stupid, but it, it reminded me, it took me back to being injured as a client mm. being like, Oh no, like, I hate that feeling where you're like, dude, I, am I going to be able to play again for another, whatever. Yeah. And, um, the idea of assessing pain remotely how do you even begin to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, what are your limitations and like your scope, I guess, for being able to do that? And how do you collaborate with other uh, medical professionals to help this patient's progress, right? Um, their patient, your client, and you're going to see them likely more or hear from them more than a doctor will just because of their whatever, the oh. <laughs> the rates, the healthcare system, all that stuff. So yeah. um I think I've had pretty, like I've had a lot of experience in this realm because I personally had a lower back injury, and that's kind of what got me interested in this sector of remote coaching, anyways. And then once I voiced that to my boss when I was, you know, working at that company, like I got tons of clients who had lower back injuries, shoulder injuries, knee pain, like you name it. And and the limitations I actually enjoyed working with all of them because there's some common threads to them that aren't just knee specific or back specific. So um, does yeah. that, does that sum up what we're going to kind of be diving into Blake?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, funny. Like I just saw the guy from squat university who I don't know his name, but I've watched a lot of his content. Aaron,
0: of- Dr. Yeah. Aaron Horschig, yeah, I think Aaron,
1: that's it. Uh, he was just talking about how no back injury is the same, you know, like yeah. it's not a one size fits all, but I will say in my experience, and I'm definitely not a doctor, like there are common strength exercises that tend to, if it's, if it is a weakness that caused the issue, like that are really good staple go-tos. Um, and I get a lot of that from, in particular for back stuff, like Stuart McGill, Dr. Stuart McGill, really, really good. Um, but yeah, like, so from our side, right, there's things that are gonna be outside your scope of practice. And identifying that and then working, collaborating. I love that you brought that up because the coach doesn't have to be like I have fallen into this temptation too many times. The coach does not have to be like the only knife in the drawer. Um, no. A lot of times um, it's actually best if you are a participant and a help, you know, someone who can help, right? Uh, it's the same thing like if people come to you in coaching. Um, and they're doing a lot of counseling stuff with you. And you realize like, I'm not a counselor. Like I can listen and be a great sounding board. I can give sound advice, but I'm not a counselor. And so like there is a line where it's like good to refer out, right? Um, can, I,
0: can I jump in real quick and give you an example of what that's like in any other profession or realm? Sure. So basically if you think about uh, having a plumber over to fix something, right? If they need to cut up, something in your walls to get to the pipes to do whatever it is not their job to put the wall back up if you ask plumbers to do that they don't even like offer a service a lot of them that's like a, they're like oh you have to have ask a handyman to like come and uh take care of that any handyman will be able to do it for you or a carpenter so yes they can do it the plumber can physically do it they're knowledgeable but they don't it's not worth their time right now to be effective for you and for the rest of their clients to do that. There's somebody else for that. And then when you talk to the handyman, they point you to 10 other people as well. So this this game of specialists is in every industry i think right it's like it's it's been operating in the medical world specifically for ages like how often does your uh primary physician refer out to like another specialist or your dentist is to an ortho so there's a ladder and um that collaboration is very important and oftentimes they appreciate it upstream i've gotten to work with um cardio, like uh, surgeon, like surgeons and people who work with the heart, like, and really getting into their mind and understanding where they're at when they're prescribing certain things. When I've realized most clients, remote coaching clients, they will not ask those questions if they're left to their own devices. Like I'll be like, Hey, what'd you get from the appointment? Oh, I did this, this, and this. I'm like, did they tell you this and that they're like, no, and I'm like, okay, well, like we have to ask that, and if you do, they easily give that information, yep. and that gives you a lot as a coach mm-hmm. in terms of creativity and effectiveness. Hopefully,
1: yeah, I had a client recently, a remote client out in Washington, and and she uh, had shoulder surgery, thought it was torn. They got in there, realized it wasn't torn, and so but they still had to do kind of like a cleanup, and um, and so basically her rehab we just talked with her physical therapists on like what they were doing. And so all of my prescribed warmups were what she was doing already in her physical therapy. Like, yeah, I wasn't like reinventing the wheel. Like there was no need for that. There was no need for like me to stretch my ego and say like, Oh, I know how to do this. It's like, no, let's just, you're already doing this physical therapy. Uh, let's, let's, they are professionals at what they do of rehabilitating you. I'm going to help progress you in strength training and continue to work on what we do as your overall health, right? That's kind of my job. That's my expertise. Um, and then just knowing like kind of where we're limited on this stuff. But yeah. what would you say are like basic, like we can go through a million stories here, but like what are basic principles when working with someone who has just come to you with an injury? Like what are some of like the the first couple things you use to filter out questions or Actions that you used to do or do now, um, you know, that that's kind of like part of your protocol that you learned over the years that is helpful.
0: So now it shows up in the form of maybe a text message for me or like a true coach message. But before it would always be like a true coach comment and or a message or something like that, maybe an email. It's like, hey, I just tweaked my back, you know, this morning. I was doing, I don't know what happened. And it's just like, it's an emergency, right? So the alarms go off in my head and then I go, I have to remain calm and go, hey, tell me one, what happened when like right before this, right? And what I need to understand Not so I can fix the pain. I'm so glad that you said like your job is to like how do we progress in terms of the strength work and, you know, strengthening all the weak areas so that we prevent this stuff from happening maybe in the future um, and that we get you back to normal playing tennis, whatever else you really want to do. So assessing that pain for me is really important. How painful is it, right? and different people have different pain tolerances as well in different oh. cultures and so well, I i have i use a scale that's like a one to ten scale ten is just out of this world like we would barely be talking right now like you'd be you should go get it checked out right now right a one is like okay it was there you barely kind of feel it it's like kind of there sometimes sometimes not where i start to kind of um <clears throat> one what that does for the client is it makes them assess their own pain as well become aware yeah. like oh it's yeah. not just pain across the board it's like this is under a three is tall to- is somewhat tolerable right mm-hmm. and this matters for like uh, let's go with that lower back <clears throat> example right um that lower back person if their pain lingers for longer than let's say 10, 15 seconds, right? Um, cause like certain things when you're coming back from an injury or working around it, you're, it's gonna hurt, right? But you don't want it to hurt to the point of more injury and like that kind of thing. So you have to kind of also, uh, my next question is this, <clears throat> you know, after where are you at on the scale? Like what are the movements that you've noticed so far that cause pain? So I need to know right away like what are those movements and then if they say it's a squat, then I can maybe go, okay, other knee flexion also is in that category or then I can dissect if it was weight or whatever it was. Then my job is to come up with a green light list of movements that are like what can I actually – because it's not just about again, like you said, fixing the pain. It's about what can we do now in the meantime, while we get this sorted out, while it heals. Because right. that's the one mistake I made in my own back injury, and nobody surprisingly told me. Like mm. I worked with so many different professionals, and nobody encouraged just continuing to work out and work around, like yeah. work on upper body if you can. You know, it's just like there's so many things to do that you know. Um, our job is to go, all right, here's what you still can do without triggering any sort of pain. And so your job, I think, or my job as a coach was to create enough of those variety where they never even felt like they were missing out on like something while they were recovering, like their back was recovering uh, and they were getting the appointment or whatever it was. So um, where's the pain level at? What can you not do that triggers pain? And what actually can you do that it was working around the pain and then that pain level you check in with pretty often especially when it first happens It's like hey like is it has it been lowered the next day or did it go up more right Mm -hmm. um and and we use that scale as like oh it's a five out of ten today okay Okay. five or six out of ten is where i start to get really concerned and you're like let's change up not just go lighter on what they had planned, but you're like, let's remove and restructure some certain things, maybe. You sure. know?
1: No, I love how you said that. That's uh specifically like what I kept hearing there was you kind of need to know your client. Like some people are uh going to be like pushed through. Like if I have like a CrossFit client that I know like grunts through some hard stuff and they say they're saying they're in pain, then like I'm much more like, wow, okay, it must be it could be something bad because they're, they want to train. Like these are the people who like yeah. training. If I have a client who's more of a general pop person, who's just never used to training and they almost can't tell the difference between soreness and injury. Right. Then I probe a little bit more on like, okay, is this just really bad, like delayed onset movement soreness, you know, because the workout and yeah. stuff? or is this like an actual injury? Um, so I always start there, like identify the client. It depends on who the client is. And then like, if it's someone who loves working out, has worked out, has a high training age, worked out for a long time, and they're saying they're having pain, I start to take it more serious. And I think MISBA's like idea on the scale one to 10 is just a great place to start because it gives some metric towards them describing how bad it is and then proceeding from there. Um, You know, a lot of times though, it's either like, there are some things that you can work on, but most of the time, if it's a bad injury, it's how can we work around? Right. Yes. Like I've had people who've torn Achilles and I've, I've convinced them and encouraged them to continue to work out. They wanted to work out. Uh, They were super bummed, but it was like good for their mental health to get back in there. It was good for them to like, so how do they do that? They were in a boot and crutches. So I literally created like 30 minute workouts in a seat. I had them doing, like, right. you know, like, just a lot of upper body stuff, like, you know, big giant sets of, you know, press curls and then, like, crush grip, you know, and rest and then banded stuff. And then I'd have them, like, I'd help them move their – um these are, like, remote clients that were in-house. Like, I'd move them over to, like, a ski erg and have them do a seated ski erg, you know, for, yep. like, five, ten minutes. So, things like that. Uh, But, like, you have to get creative. It is a – it is a way of pushing a coach um, and your value of your service a little bit because it takes more time. But, like, I've, my best thing I can offer to client, or coaches that are listening is once you've done some rehab work with someone or, like, kind of like a workaround or a program for someone's back, save it.
0: Yes, that's what helped me the most, I think.
1: Oh, man, I've made so many, like – Knee rehab, back yep. rehab, like I have them all on my blueprint ones, and I'll I'll pull those out as things happen with people, and edit and kind of personalize for the client. But I don't have to start all the way from scratch anymore because those programs take a lot of time to make usually.
0: Hundred percent. If there's one last thing I can squeeze in here, like. Our job as coaches is to make sure that this client doesn't waste more time, right? So they're not wasting a month before their next appointment and doing something. This is a two clients right now I'm working with. One had just a hip surgery or injection and all that stuff that like they're recovering from and now progressing and getting back into normal things. And then the second person's a, like a stroke patient, right? Who is now kind of just regaining motor control and like, but barely is still there and You know, has some exercises where range of motion has significantly improved, but okay, their next appointment isn't until one more month from now. Um, Their occupational therapy, yes, it's a couple times a week, but most of it is what you do at home. They've been doing the same exercises that are basic, like raise your arms up this way, you know, and then the key question when I'm talking to their doctor is, hey, what is off limits? Like, Is there something that I should stay away from that would hurt, or you know, I, you know, I should be aware of? And if they usually say no, right? Just be safe and don't, you know, that kind of thing. That gives you green lights as a trainer or coach to go, wow, all right, let's make progression happen, right? Let's go from instead of just a lateral, raise your arm up to the side, let's try a frontal raise your arm up here right you're starting to work in yeah like now we can start to work the scapula because there's no like all the exercises that they're giving are so hyper focused on like getting control back maybe in the wrist but hey i asked like can you feel your shoulder right and he says yes like i could always like kind of feel it and it's like can you shrug up can you shrug down like does it feel like you know you've got something there if you do then why aren't you doing shoulder related exercises that help that range of motion because that's also deteriorating every day that you don't really do something yeah. so now it gives you all this stuff to let's fill in ranges of motion that are basics that you just haven't done because you you, you we think that we can't do it because your doctor said this or that when reality they're like no 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 you can do that just yeah. You know what I mean? It's just they haven't – they didn't have the time in your 12-minute appointment to, like, explain that. So, um, anyways, that's what I would end on there. It's, like, collaboration and using pain as a learning tool for you, the medical professionals you work with, the client, ultimately, because they're going to deal with this again in their life if they've been injured once. And next time they do, they'll be smarter because they work with you in a way, you know?
1: Totally. And there, you know, this whole thing is really a opportunity both for the coach to grow and learn probably because the injury is going to pull you and stretch you a little bit to try to have to do more research. If you're not, you know, like a lot of times these first injuries, I I didn't know a whole lot about how to rehab them or any of that stuff. Um, But I didn't know how to work around and uh, and I didn't know how to like work with a physical therapist that they're working with or, um, you know, uh, yeah, so like a PA or something like that. But. I would say the biggest thing besides all of the knowledge and kind of being flexible and trying to figure out how to communicate these things would be the mindset part because a lot of people want to quit right after an injury and they'll say, well, I'll come back in six months when it's healed or whatever that, and both for your, for you and them, it's best that they don't. And and you have to convince yourself of that, that that's true. And you have to be able to then convince them because there's this time where you can be so discouraged that like, oh, I'm about to lose this client. I'm so scared of losing them because they just got hurt and, and like I don't know what to do and I feel like out of my – like, OK, if it's a if it's a knee injury, it is free game to work from the waist up unless a doctor exactly. says not to, right? Yeah. So it's like, dude, let's come in here. Let's keep the weight off of you. Let's try to – let's use this as an opportunity. I say this a lot. Let's use this as an opportunity to get stronger somewhere else that we weren't focused on as much. I,
0: I really love that language. It's very, um, positive and like future focused, you know? Yeah.
1: It's just an opportunity for us to now, like, we're just going to focus on getting you really strong shoulders and arms and, and core work. you know, we're just, as your leg is healing, like we're just going to hit those things a ton. Right. Totally. Um, and so, you know, just making sure that like you're communicating that Keeping, I've saved a lot of clients and, and, um, I I saved a lot of client relationships by having these conversations and not just letting them walk out the door and just convincing them like, hey, I think we can really still do some good work here. We're just going to have to adjust and move and kind of get what we can. And then as the green light comes on and we're working with your physical therapist and kind of let they're letting us know what we can and can't do, we'll go from there. Right. But like quitting, they don't really want to quit. So if you can convince them to not quit and that there are things that we can still really work on, then. You know go from there but i mean yeah. it's no different than coaching anybody else to be honest if you're assessing someone and seeing what they can and can't do and limitations it's just a new assessment right it's just you didn't anticipate this assessment it had to come out of nowhere But you're just doing a reassessment. Now they can't do any of these movements. They used to be able to do them. So now we have to change the program around what they can do. That's all it is, simply. A
0: hundred percent. Dude, I love it. This is a great conversation because it's like most people that you're going to deal with, Have some kind of acute injury. It might not be like a permanent limitation, but they might, it might be acute, but they feel like it's permanent or it still needs to be worked around. Like you need to keep it in mind when you're programming. So you're pulled into this, anyways, and understanding it somehow and not knowing is okay because it can be learned and researched like you can talk to a lot of people who have encountered back pain before knee injuries if if you haven't and really get there you know absorb uh some of their lessons so um the common denominator comes back to figuring out like we said using the pain scale um and helping them come up with a path forward that's really around right um the the obstacle or the injury that's like immediately up front
1: Yeah. And I would just say too, like, you know, personally, uh, I, I tweaked my back two years ago and you helped me walk through that when our programming kind of like we were going really heavy. Um, yeah, it was about like a year and a half ago, two years ago that like we were getting really heavy, getting, building lots of mass for my bodybuilding competition before we started the cut and kind of kept going through it. And then all of a sudden I just had a little tweak um, didn't warm up properly, you know, just happens. And, uh, I remember it was like a three, four month thing It was kind of a herniated disc and you just, you still had me deadlifting. You still had me doing single leg RDLs. You still had me. And the funny thing was like, it hurts so bad, um, at times, but the only thing that actually relieved it was actually to still do the movements. Like the best I yeah. felt was like after I had actually done some of the movements. Now that's not true for every client, but like, as we were kind of working through and monitoring that, like that was true for me and, and it was good for me to like, and I knew like, okay, if I get through the third, fourth set, I actually start to feel like the muscles are kind of like connecting and like blood's pumping in that area. And it was just a lot more looser and tighter in the right spots. Um, and so like, I I just, I just felt like movement was medicine for me, um, in that way. Now I, I, I try not to – I believe that in most cases. I try not to assume that for everyone now because it really is sometimes movement is hurtful um, to a certain extent. But most of the time, I have found that moving actually is the medicine for most people and learning how to do it well and right and prescribed.
0: The mindset there is uh, like – because I know I had this. It's like, oh, if – Movement hurt after because I've been in plenty of situations where two steps forward three steps back every two weeks this happens and it's common with back injuries for people who deal with that. And really, it's like, how do you, um, you know, How do you build in progression and have regression in mind at the same time? Mm -hmm. And also know that like it's not banning all movement. If something hurt, you just haven't found the right movements. Like there's something out there that's probably even better that hits the spot just like a stretch does. Like it's not quite getting it, but this one, oh man, it's just, it's like a massage therapist just working no, on me. Mean, that's how I feel afterwards. You're trying to kind of find that same thing. And a coach usually has a bigger tool of libraries that they can draw upon to kind of give you that, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, this was really fun. I hope if people have follow ups, uh, make sure to uh, reach out to us. Um, hi at trainerslabpod.com uh, or on Instagram. Um, hit all the links are in the description. And, you know, we'd love a review if you enjoyed the episode wherever you're at. For sure. See you guys. See you next time.